from KIOS in Omaha and Exarban Creative. You are listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Today I'm talking with local developer and mayoral candidate RJ Neary. I'm just so amazed at the stories of people's lives that live in Omaha. I, I don't know if you read this, but I've been riding my bike all over town and taking the bus. I'm trying to take every bus route. So you and it's a great way to get to know the historical parts of the city and the new parts. Oh, there was a lake in West Omaha I didn't know we had. <laughs> Connection, disconnection, stagnation, progress. These are the ideas that I keep hearing as I talk to people who want to be mayor of Omaha. We talk about Neary's life, his time as a developer, how he became the person he is, and the vision that he has for the city. Stay tuned for all that right here on Riverside Chats. If you're a fan of Riverside Chats and want to see the show not only continue but expand in new spin-off shows including a film club, a book club, and a news roundup, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash riversidechats. For as low as just $1 a month, you get access to exclusive audio as well as our full backlog of episodes. Our most recent 50 are always free. Older than that goes behind the paywall. So you get that plus exclusive content over at patreon.com slash riversidechats. Please consider becoming a patron today. You're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Today, we are continuing to talk to the people who want to represent you, specifically in our municipal election that is happening right now. My conversation today is with local developer and mayoral candidate R.J. Neary. Neary is a Democrat challenging incumbent Republican Jean Stother, who was also invited on this show, and I hope she will accept the invitation. All right, here's my conversation with R.J. Neary about his life leading up to becoming a very successful developer and what skills from that he thinks could be applicable to fixing some of Omaha's problems. Here is my conversation with R.J. Neary. So I want to start with a story, uh, and then there's a question associated with it, but this isn't necessarily something that relates directly to what being mayor would allow you to do, but I think it kind of helps show uh, some general ways that people are feeling right now. So my dad called me yesterday, and he asked, hey, do you know when you're going to get your vaccine? And I told him I have no idea. And he tells me, hey, I hear there's some people at you know churches and communities, they have excess vaccine, and they're giving them away. So if you hear anything, let me know. I'm going to go try to talk to a bunch of people at different churches and figure something out. And just I thought, wow, that really captures how in the wilderness we all sort of feel right now about this. So the question I have for you is, could Omaha be doing a better job uh, with either messaging or handling, whether it's the vaccine or the pandemic in general? And what, what would you do? Well, I have a plan for that. And I, I announced that earlier today, which the mayor announced right after I did. <laughs> um, the uh, So one, at my office, we would a point of pandemics are somebody that would handle everything from education to to public health and i would listen you know we it, it we don't have to go very far like from 18th street out to 45th street <laughs> to the best university in the world for these things and um so the second part of my plan was to I, our economy's been hurt desperately and so i think people are looking for leadership in in regards to re-getting our economy going and i am going to take five percent of the restaurant tax of course the city council would have to prove that which is uh about scheduled to be 35 million it's not going to be 35 million um but for two years and add that to the visitors bureau and get the Omahans going to restaurants and entertainment venues and get the regional and visitors going. Um, especially our, you know, these restaurants and pubs and stuff are kind of the fabric of Omaha. And when you think about the Berkshire visitors coming to Omaha, they all have their favorite restaurants and they're all booked, you know, a year in advance. Um, and, and, and we want to keep them coming no matter who's chairman of Berkshire. And um, so we, we've got to look ahead and not be stuck in today and make stuff like that happen. So the third part of my plan is also take the cares money and be very transparent about where we're spending that and help small businesses. In addition, I'd have a small business task force 
that would help. You know, the, we, we can all sit around and say, well, we're over that, but it could take years to recover for many small businesses. And we want to jumpstart those and get them going and they're good investments. And it's no time not to be bold. So, okay, so a question I have from your answer there is, I mean, do you feel that there's been problems with transparency in terms of where money's going right now? Well, do you know where it's gone? <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to get into this. So I, I never know how much is just my being a normal citizen who, I mean, I talk to people who are on a run for mayor, but I'm not the most yeah. informed person in the world. But yeah. it goes back to my overall question about messaging in general too, which I don't know if you'd have yeah. a different approach than Gene Stothard does as far as a lot of things go. Well, I, I think the, the, the messaging was slow to come and um, the messaging's got out more and more now. I would have had a mask mandate long before August 23rd, um, no matter what the governor told me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's another question that I always have for people who want to run for office uh, with a more progressive agenda, which is Pete Ricketts has a very, uh, I'd, I'd say it's, it's pretty clear how Pete Ricketts will feel about a lot of things. And on the question of the mask mandate in particular, that's something where you sort of know you're going to be up against uh, some kind of opposition from the governor. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. how do you, how do you want to navigate working with Pete Ricketts uh, or working in opposition with Pete Ricketts to get your agenda done? Oh, I, I know Pete a little bit. I, can't believe people are so unreasonable not to be concerned about public safety. Now we can have different views and you got to start with what you agree upon. But um, I don't think most Omahans cared if you're Republican or Democrat or, you know, centrist or conservative, they just want their problem solved and they want their services delivered and, and public safety during this time is the number one responsibility of the mayor and you got to be bold and take action. So, okay, let's go back to the very beginning for you then. So you, you grew up on a farm in Iowa, right? Um, well, I moved, I lived there until I was 10 years old. Okay. Um, my parents both grew up here, went up to Iowa and farmed one of my grandmother's farms for 15 years. So I kind of had the best of both worlds when the hard work started for a 10 year old. We moved to Dundee and I landed America's greatest neighborhood, maybe. <laughs> How did uh, your time on a farm impact your worldview or uh, just the way that you, I don't know, maybe had work ethic or the way you looked at anything? Well, absolutely work ethic. You know, it was, it was a, um, I got to spend the first 10 years of my life holding my dad's hand, you know, I mean, just riding in the tractor and the truck and all that. And uh, so very good from that standpoint, I asked my mom, we had this really small farmhouse. I said, how did you put up with six kids in that little house? You know, you had 360 acres. I just told you, get out. <laughs> <laughs> and we were, we'd ride our bike, you know, a mile. And well, you could actually ride it to Minnesota a mile and a half away and riding horses around. We had horses and playing in our, you know, there's lots of places to play on a farm for a kid. And lots of things, lots of work to do and stuff like that. Um, it, it, it also gives you just appreciation for small business and people that take risks and you put the seeds in the ground and you don't know if a hailstorm coming or disease is coming for your cattle or stuff like that. Yeah, I imagine it helps you also be able to understand how things work in a way where you get to see, okay, here's a product that's being grown and then yeah. to sort of see, I don't know, I don't know how, how you go. I mean, when you just live in a city, for example, and you can just go to the store, sometimes it's difficult to, at first, at least, to understand how many people are involved in things or where, you know, uh, how transportation works and everything. So, I mean, I imagine for you, it was probably helpful to have both a rural and a city, you know, experience as a kid because you went on to, you know, work in situations that would impact both of those, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, you brought up the food and awareness stuff. And um, I, I do think, try it, it's, we don't relate to, you know, where this food came from, it, you know, yeah, we can drive through and get a hamburger or chicken sandwich or something. We have no idea. Um, maybe we don't want to know. Um, yeah, and the one that always, I, I went to Chile back in 1980, but uh, it's always amazed me because I'll, you look at a bottle of Chilean wine, right? 
sitting up in Omaha. (laughs) And you wonder, what did a farmer make for those grapes? Because it's selling here for six bucks and it's in a bottle and it got shipped here and through wholesale, through retail and taxes. And, you know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly the thing that like, your brain would think of that because of your experiences. Whereas I don't know that I've ever actually had that thought, but I will next time I see that Chilean <laughs> bottle. <laughs> you know, I take France. I don't care, but it, I relate it to you know these Chilean wines fairly inexpensive, but right. Um, well, so cost to grow the grapes. So when you got to Dundee, you're living in Omaha. Uh, did you have some idea of what you might do with your life? You know, I, no. Although. Um, by my sophomore year in college, I switched from this little school in Kansas because I wanted to go to Nebraska, and I, I was an ag economics major. So I, I thought I might end up in agriculture business or something. I, I think these, sometimes I'm jealous of my friends who knew what they were going to do. <laughs> you know, I have friends where seven out of eight kids became doctors, right? Um, but on the other hand, it seems kind of prescribed and, but you kind of, you know, you, you do what you grow up with. So what um, was it a, like a political household? Did you have any kind of idea that someday you might be interested in dipping your toes in that water? No, my, my parents, um, you know, I, I guess they were always interested. My, my mother read, if you gave her five newspapers, she'd read every page from front to back. Um, She's very well informed. She's 97. She's still well informed. But I, I never, but when I was 20, my buddy and I were, I don't know, we ran my buddy for state legislature when we were 22 or 24 or something. And so we've been messing around with it for a long time. I guess I kind of got interested in college. We ran one of my buddies for uh, student senate. Did the, like did the state legislature uh, run? Did that give you any particular insights into how Nebraska works? Yeah, it needs a lot more organization than a part-time guy like me. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I was hanging around with Tom Monahan a little back then. He was a state party chair, and Vince Powers, a former state Democratic chair, has been a good friend of mine since we grew up, you know, since fifth grade. Um, and... One of the, I have a couple of regrets in life. One is when John Cavanaugh was a state senator uh, in Lincoln, I was a student. My mother tried to get me to be a page in the legislature. I said, I don't want to do that. You know, <laughs> like, why would I want to do that? That'd be so cool. Um, so I guess we've watched the Cavanaugh's and the Boyles and been friends of theirs. And Mike Fay, he's been a real good friend of mine for a long time. Well, and so then you went on to own a bar, right? That was that. That yeah. was one of your big uh, ventures. How did that come about? Well, during my college, um, I don't know how this. There, there's a bar in Lincoln called the Zoo Bar, uh, very popular music club. I worked there in college as a bartender, and I was graduating and not knowing. I didn't have any job offers, not knowing what I was going to do, and so the owner there and I um, bought what was an existing bar in the old market. And because we, because when I'd come home, there wasn't something as fun as there was in Lincoln, you know? So I borrowed a few bucks from my parents and we got an SBA loan and um, made that happen. And it was, was the kind of, well, we were rated the number one club by Omaha magazine for four years, the four years I owned it. So it was popular, worked out well. Um, something told me though, I didn't want to be a 35 or 40 year old bar owner trying to figure out a new career. Um, and my friends were all becoming, you know, career professionals. So I sold it and moved on. So how, how did you decide what was next? Well, I, I was, <laughs> the market told me, um, I had an interest in real estate and I bought a couple old houses, one for 5,000 and one for 12,000. The 12,000, I just, I think I just heard that it sold for 350,000 recently. I had bought one when I was in the bar and fixed it up and sold it to my cousin who's just selling it again for 40 some years later. 
Um, but anyway, these were down by Hanscom Park. They're old historic structures. Um, and But I had borrowed some money to do all this work. And I um, went to the bank and the renewal rate was 21% interest. And I drove directly over to the real estate office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's a true story. And I said, I can't afford 21%. Just, and they were only like 25, 30, I don't know what the loans were. But, so we got them, got them sold. Or I sold the one and rented the other. So um, then I got a job at a, at a insurance company. And what I learned, uh, so I was there a year and a half. It was a great job. I learned a ton. We remodeled a bunch of the building. It was a downtown insurance company. Learned how corporation, how corporate life kind of looks and works. And then there was this ad for a commercial real estate broker at Tom Pesho's office. And so I interviewed, got the job and lived on mac and cheese for six months. <laughs> then, it started, then it started rolling. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking today with RJ Neary, local developer and current candidate for mayor as a challenger to incumbent Gene Stothert. So it, it sounds like you've always had sort of uh, uh, an ambition and also an openness to going wherever things might take you. I mean, what, what do you attribute that to? Either attention deficit or no, I have a lot of interests and I, I'm a very curious person. I ride bikes with my buddies across Iowa and all these places, but they're like, you can't run for mayor. You're the one that takes us on, all, finds all these interesting things <laughs> on these trips. <laughs> and it's a comfort level also just, you know, I can, I'm pretty comfortable. I've always said I'm comfortable in the CEO or the banker's office and I'm comfortable in the scrap metal yard, you know, and that was partly from uh, very much part of my parents and part of the farm and part of the. So is, is that like your, your parents and the, in life on the farm taught you how to talk to people or where, where does that comfort come from? Cause that's something I think a lot of people never really achieve. My father had the best people sense of anybody I've ever met. Um, he could almost read people across the room. And if there was a lonely people at a person at a wedding reception, he was, he would be the next thing, you know, they'd be sitting at our table. And, um, we always had extra people at the dinner table. And there's, there's a bunch of kind of notorious stories about people. My dad drug home and my, my mother only rejected a few of them. <laughs> and so my, and my parents were always very open to helping others. We had some unwed mothers as living with, in addition to the six kids in the small house, I don't know, you know, people, a lot of cousins and family coming in and out. It was a little chaotic at times actually, but um, just open. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds like you might enjoy the chaos to some extent too, right? Because part of having a life a story that sort of shifts every now and then, there's going to be some chaos and you're going to have to figure out some new things. But it sounds like you also enjoy navigating that. Yeah, trying to figure things out. Um, yeah, I like to figure, solve problems, figure things out. That's, that, that's, that's my, that, that, that really, you, you got it right there. I like solving the problem. Well, that, that, that seems like a good segue to talking about becoming mayor, right? Because being mayor, you're being presented with several problems in Omaha. I mean, it, it's not only the immediate problems, but the historical results of problems that have existed for a long time in the city, as well as new wow. problems every day. It's sort of a, a lot of people to talk to, a lot of people to understand, right? So one of the things I've been talking about a lot with the people running for mayor and the interviews that I've done in the last month is this idea that Omaha, at least to my experience, and I know Dewan Lamont Hayes had said something similar, is a city that doesn't seem to have tried that hard to have a cohesive culture so much as it's a lot of different subsections of cultures that sometimes get along really well. Sometimes, you know, some people won't drive to certain parts of the city even. So, I mean, when you approach the idea of being mayor, how do you look at it in terms of either trying to build a cohesion or understanding the very different types of needs and desires from people across the city? I think you're right on, Tom, and I think the other candidates are right on about a divisive. It's not divisive. It's um, separated or segregated, and segregated is kind of a strong word because I don't think people dislike each other. It's just that 
they don't cross paths a lot of ways. You know, and, and we've grown from the river to 224th and Ida Street, you know, who thought would, most people didn't even know there was an Ida Street until five or 10 years ago. But anyway, so we've spread out quite a bit. And, and the overall arching theme, I would, you know, my campaign is, is connection and reconnection. And, and that is socially and physically. And if you look at what we, if you took a map of Omaha for the last 50 or 75 years, we've built a lot of separation. Everybody talks about the North Freeway separating the North and South neighborhoods and, and the, even the 480 Freeway. And, and the, I don't have the number exactly right, but I know it wasn't millions. Uh, a city planner told me when, if you took today's dollars and made the 80 to 480 connection to just down to Dodge Street, it was $2.4 billion to buy all that property and redo all that. And um, which is, you know, the anticipation was that we'd be driving 60,000 cars a day downtown, right? Well, we're not, we're driving 20 now um, at, at the most. Um, so anyway, even West Dodge Expressway, that's really separated north and south. Mm -hmm. and, and we don't think about it that way. And then a lot of our bike trails, I mean, these neighborhoods, a lot of them don't connect each other. I could go on and on with examples. Um, and in the rear view mirror, some of that was done by political persuasion with um, real estate builders, maybe. Um, some of it just the way it was done or natural, you know, you got creeks and bridges we just haven't crossed. But I really think physically we ought to reconnect. And then the, the having a transit system, having opportunities for people to interface, connecting north downtown to south downtown and to downtown would be my dream. I Some of the best interactions I've ever had, I don't care if you're flying to Phoenix and you're taking the bus to the rental car place, uh, you meet people, right? Mm -hmm. And you meet people from other parts. And, you know, I was in Moscow on a school trip with my daughter in 2009 and I didn't do very well with my Russian and, or my English and their Russian, but, but you meet people on the transit systems and that's how you interact and get social. I'm just so amazed at the stories of people's lives that live in Omaha. Um, I, I don't know if you read this, but I've been riding my bike all over town and, um, taking the bus, I'm trying to take every bus route. So you, and it's a great way to get to know the historical parts of the city and the new parts. Oh, there was a lake in West Omaha I didn't know we had. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, so you see what the trail systems are like, where they're connected, where they're disconnected. Um, but this bus driver came from West Africa like 15 years ago and he had three girls at Benson High School and he was all fired up about the other kids not studying hard enough and his, you know, interrupting teachers and um, just great citizens that, you know, weren't the kids I went to high school with, but boy, there's a ton of them. And I just had more interaction with some East Africans this, mm -hmm. or this week. I'm talking today with RJ Neary, local developer and Omaha mayoral candidate. Remember to follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Let us know what you think. Are you listening right now? Post a comment. I'd be happy to see it. I'd be happy to address it. If you've got a question or a suggestion, let me know. We'll be back with more of this conversation with RJ Neary right after this break. Wherever or however you're listening to this podcast right now, you should take a moment and check out Stitcher. For those who don't know, Stitcher is a free podcast app for iPhone and Android and home to over 260,000 podcasts. Stitcher also has smart recommendations, playlists, a car mode, even a sleep timer. While the Stitcher app is free to use, they also offer a premium subscription called Stitcher Premium that has exclusive bonus episodes from top shows, exclusive shows from top hosts, and ad-free listening all for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. 
Like pop culture? You can listen to exclusive bonus episodes from Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness or LeVar Burton Reads. Plus, get early access to episodes of The Dream, plus many more on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and use promo code Riverside on the monthly plan to get your first month free. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Remember that you can always find our most recent 50 episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a review today or become a patron over at patreon.com slash riversidechats to get access to our full backlog and exclusive content that is not on the radio. Today I'm talking with RJ Neary, local developer and Omaha mayoral candidate. Here's the rest of our conversation. You're traveling around the city, you're observing yeah. things. And so like when you're seeing where places don't connect or whatever it might be, how do you go about, I mean, so <laughs> it sounds like you're saying that just the ability to have public transportation is one way to connect cultures. But I mean, what are the other, what are some of the other things that you're taking away from literally just going around Omaha and talking to people and seeing what's, you know, what connects, what doesn't, et cetera. I think we're totally unaware <laughs> um, of kind of what goes on within our city. Like you said, you have your head down, you're doing your job, you know, but we have the largest, uh, here's some things I've learned during my campaign. Okay. We were the number one, so so some bad is we were the number one led super fun site in the world or in the country. Um, I knew that, um, but I didn't realize we still had 18,000 lead water services going to old houses. The, we have the largest Sudanese population of any city in the United States. And I just think there's a lot more diversity in Omaha than people even realize. And one of the things I'd like to do is take a huge billboard. There used to be a sign downtown years ago, welcome to Omaha, you know, big arch over the top of Dodge Street. And I guess I'd like to have that in about 36 or 50 languages that we speak in, you know, that spoken in the home I, I believe everybody ought to learn to speak English, but that's not what happens, you know, every day. And I, so I just think we, just that statement alone, I think might make people more aware of all the diversity we have in Omaha. Yeah. When I, when I was an undergrad, I did a, a brief internship at the Yates community center. And so I, I got to help teach uh, some of the refugee, usually they're mainly refugee people learning English and they were adults. And just seeing some of that, I know was sort of mind blowing for me as a kid, because I wasn't like, you know, kind of like we were just talking about, like I wasn't necessarily aware how much being an Omaha citizen means or what that can mean, what that can look like. And so I know, uh, you know, that certainly having some of those experiences, actually interacting with people outside of your bubble is a, is a very, it seems like a very healthy thing for a city, especially for trying to have a cohesive culture. But then on the flip side, you have something like, I think about our, the, the protests in the summer. And I know that there are people who don't necessarily want to embrace all of the different viewpoints or want to understand all of the viewpoints. And there are these clashes and there are these divisions. So, I mean, in a situation like what we saw in the last summer, what would you do to address some of, especially the the racial, um, whether it's some of the resentments, whether it's some of the lingering effects of racism in Omaha, or just sort of like differing approaches to what civil disobedience can look like? Where do you stand on all yeah. of that? I'm going to start with a good news story. Okay. <laughs> the morning after the Saturday night riots and or the protests, a lot of broken windows downtown, right? I went down about 7.30 to help clean up, took some brooms and shovels, and ended up running into a bunch of some people I knew. I tell you, the cleanup was done. I mean, the windows weren't replaced, but the cleanup was done by, I was eating breakfast at like 9.30 or something. There were more people down there looking for, trying to help, and than the rioters, I think. So that was the good part of that, is that, um, and it, it goes to what, I was knocking on doors in West Omaha the other day, and I was asking people um, what problems they see of Omaha. And I think every that I'm going to tell you what I heard people say. Show me how to make our city less segregated and less inequitable, 
give it more equity. And that's what I want. So it wasn't resentment about those things as much as I want to help solve the problem. I think there's a realization that the, the tragedy of George Floyd is unbelievable. The, it just woke up a lot of people to what's really going on in the world when you see it. It's, it's like reading a, reading a covenant a few years ago on a piece of land, you know, about who can't live on this ground. And you no know, African-American can live on this ground, rent it, own it, anything like that. And I was telling people, it's one thing to hear it. It's, one, it's another thing to actually read that in a document. Um, I think there's, so there's a lot we can all agree upon, I think. So what can we agree upon? That we want to be a better city. So how do we get there? We might not agree on all the policies and all the budgets to get there. But I do think that 99% of the Omahans want a fairer city. So what's a, a city where every kid has the equal opportunity. How do you, as a mayor, go about making that a reality? One, I think you got to understand how a city works and what, what, what makes a vibrant, fair, equitable, exciting city. Um, I think I understand that. I spent 10 years on the planning board. I understand what, um, how to, uh, neighborhoods either spiral up or spiral down. And when you're really bored, I can just bore you to tears with all my uh, talk about that, um, about why and how, and you know, whether, whether people are building home equity or they're not, you know, and then it, once it starts down, it really, takes a toll. I, I think you start with what what do we have? I think too many times people have gone to South Omaha or North Omaha, the older parts of the city. I, I just say that. And they wave their magic wand and they hire a big engineering company to do this fancy plan and we're going to do this and it's going to have this. And, and I think sometimes you just got to say, Let, let's take what we got, get some paint on it, fix the broken windows, <laughs> get some roofs on it, and let's activate it. You know, I mean, that's how you start a neighborhood back up. Yeah, you can come in and do a midtown crossing, but that doesn't always change everything overnight. You know, if you look at the Blackstone and the midtown crossing, I, I don't think half of what happened in midtown would, would have happened without a midtown crossing. It was a big, bold move, and that was fabulous. But if you look at all the surrounding things that happened after Midtown Crossing, even better. So I think you got to look at what we got and how do we move that forward and, and not make over-promises and get some action going. Yeah, um, I know uh, another thing that comes up when I do all these mayoral candidacy uh, interviews is the problem of brain drain. So what what would you do as mayor to address the, the issue of young people leaving of brain drain? You know, we're building this big park downtown, and I think that's great. And I think it might, you know, it'll just be that much a better place for families to play and maybe live by. But, but I don't, but I think downtown has to be its own, but, well, one, I think we got to have vibrant, fun neighborhoods. You know, we got to have Benson's and the old market, and Blackstone. We got to have public transportation that a lot of people like these days. And it's, we, we have to have a vibrant, robust transportation system. We got to have... Uh, an environment where tech companies, where there's great job opportunities besides either one getting stuck in a cube on the 11th floor of some building or, um, and there's some, you know, the, gr the greatest wealth builders, small businesses and entrepreneurships. And you gotta have the neighborhoods, and you gotta have the spaces and you got to have the culture where these are all interacting and crossing and 
so-and-so left so-and-so company and they went and started that company and and that's where we can really get the uh, people staying here i think now when i talked to jasmine harris she talked about how one of the things that inspired her to run for mayor was the fact that in North Omaha specifically, but Omaha in a broader sense, essentially a lot of the same problems that she was running into 20 years ago still exist today. And she feels that Omaha has been sort of kept in cycles of stagnation. Uh, what, what do you make of that assessment? And in particular, is there a way to do something to North Omaha so it doesn't have the same problems that I, I mean, what she was talking about are problems. I certainly remember applying North Omaha and it does feel like stagnation, uh, at least in certain parts of the city, does seem to be kind of a fair assessment, but what do you make of it? I just read this book that Bill Gates um, recommended called Factfulness. And um, it's it, it, how the world is progressing. Um, less people living in extreme poverty, moving up to poverty. <laughs> I guess that's progress, I guess. Um, and I'm excited about the possibilities in in North Omaha, but I go back to what I said before is what do we got? We got a divided communities, but we got great boulevards. You go to some of those hills up west of 30th Street, man, you have some views up there. And, and we're doing a project in my work, in my regular work, we just took on the Ames Industrial site that um, was announced six or seven years ago, and we got a client that spent the last year uh, cleaning the site up, and we've got the environmental all under control, and we have, we're almost done cleaning the physical site up from all the junk. So I think there's progress that we're making. The Highlander project, I, I think, is just a fabulous project and a real game changer, but that's just one project, and and we need many, many more. Um, I'm hoping Biden's administration comes out with some funding for rebuilding some of these houses, commercial buildings. Um, I've been part of the new North Makerhood project in North, just north of the stadium. That was, as one of the donors called it, this is third world down here because it was just a catastrophe and now there's 20 new businesses and, and it, we just use the existing businesses and now flywheels moved into a, a fancy renovation next door. So it starts that way and just gets momentum. So it's the, as I say, it's the first gallon of paint and the first pane of glass you put back in a building and we can get things rolling and maybe create some jobs. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking today with RJ Neary, local developer, and mayoral candidate challenging incumbent Gene Stothert. So how would your approach be different from Gene Stothert's then? What have you seen that she's doing that might not be what you want to see and perhaps was part of what inspired you to run for mayor in the first place? Well, I've been doing this for 40 years all over town. Um, I was part of the Creighton St. Joe team that made that in the 700 apartments. It's part of the wire, part, you know, I can just go down the list. The, the building we office in, actually, the Western Electric Plant, Nebraska's biggest building, we brokered to a developer and went from zero jobs to 1,500. Um, I'm not saying as, a, as, a, as the mayor, you're going to go out and invest in these things, but you got to be the right uh, teammate. I would tell you this, and I, this goes to the diversity issue that it, and, and what Omaha is saying. So... The Omaha Community Foundation's landscape projects say that 75, 76% of the people living below poverty live in substandard housing. Most Omahans, when they put their head on the pillow at night, don't think that there's kids going to bed in those kind of conditions. That, that's been a political football in this administration consent degree signed, nothing done, no no new inspectors in a budget with, that had surplus money in it. Um, and then we end up with this landlord registry where all the good landlords are registering and some of the bad landlords are registering. But I, I heard the other day, it's 50 or 60% of the people trying to evict a tenant aren't registered landlords. Um, and, and so let me tell you the return on investment on that. 
and I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but this is, this is very key. Substandard housing means unstabilized housing, means families move from house to house, means absentee rates go up, graduation rates go down, crime goes up. We don't run the schools as the mayor in Omaha, but if you're not making sure that housing's clean, safe, then we're not being a good partner to the education system. So it all has to work together. And I think we could hire the inspectors, get this done right, and get on to the next problem. And I think we could, I would be in favor of rewriting our landlord registry law in a few years. So once we got this problem behind us, but it's just gotten out of hand. Now, what what do you make of the fact, I saw that uh, Culture House did that panel with a bunch of the people running for mayor. Uh, yeah. It was a great panel, and notably the incumbent uh, declined to attend. Uh, how does that impact the image you see for a mayor who's engaging in these conversations? Because surely, on some level, these are difficult conversations everybody running for mayor has to do to talk about some of these problems with Omaha. And it, it seems like a promising thing to see so many people engaging with the conversation and even like on a panel engaging with these conversations with each other. You rarely, yeah. you rarely see a lot of people running for the same office having a conversation with each other. Uh, and I, I find Gene Stothert's absence to be kind of notable. What do you make of it? I, I don't know how to answer that, I guess. <laughs> it, that's her, uh, her, 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 you can ask her that. Okay, question. yeah, yeah, we, we can move on. But, so. but I will say this. Are we going to unite? Are we going to forget our differences? What can we agree upon? Let's talk about those things. How do we move forward? So if you're you're not there, you can't do those things. One of the issues that comes up. I was surprised at the number. I ran into some people at church on Sunday morning that were on that call. Yeah. I mean, many thousands of people I saw the first day even. So it it seems like a promising thing that people are engaged in local politics in that way. Yeah. A lot Uh, of good speakers too, I'd have to say. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, So one of the issues that comes up, because I think a lot of people don't always know exactly what it means to be mayor or what are the things you do. The things that do come up that pretty much everybody can kind of acknowledge are trash and roads. Um, yeah. So where do you stand on that? What would you change? What would be different if you were mayor? Well, we're going to build a better street when I'm mayor. And I'm not going to, I'm going to get the right team put together. Tom, and I'm going to get out of their way. It's the thing I've learned, but it's, t- it's taken me a long time in my life, but um, we've, we've played politics we play it daily with, oh, we got this pothole over here. Run over there and fix that. You know, there, the, there's some big street contractors that are big donors, the mayor. I don't think most voters are comfortable with that because when they're driving on their streets, they're not very good streets. Um, so we're going to build a better street. We're going to have a great culture with, at, at the public works that holds contractors accountable, but it's not hostile to contractors. And, and we got to build a better culture with all the other utilities so that when we go in and close the street down, everybody's on the same time schedule. We're not waiting for others. We're, we're not getting in each other's way. So we just need it better managed. And I, I'm not, saying we have bad people i saying we don't have the best processes and they've gotten pushed around and jerked around and sometimes we take the ultimate low bid that costs you money in the long run it, it does seem like there's a push as well to it, look at recycling to look at composting to look at sort of a regenerative way of uh you know more green sustainable you know way of dealing with trash rather than throwing things out i know some people like i talked to 
uh, one of the founders or one of the people who runs Hillside Solutions, which does composting all over Omaha. Uh, and certainly there was some criticism of the idea that 90 gallons of trash is necessarily the solution or sends the right message. So, I mean, are you open to shifting some of the ways we think about waste and thinking about more sustainable solutions? That certainly would be a change. But a lot of people say that's a change that's worth making, that it's probably necessary for a greener future. You're hitting my uh, one of my passion buttons here, my pet peeves, Tom. Um, yes, I. and two weeks ago, I toured the recycling plant. I've known those guys for a long time. I, I would tell you, here's how I would handle things differently. The recycling guys said, oh my God, China's, you know, the, the sources for marketing this stuff have shut off. We cannot function at the current contract rate. I would seek to understand that problem because they are a partner of ours and the better they do, the better the city does because the city gets a share of that revenue. And as mayor, I would lead the way in encouraging people and contesting people into recycling more. And the current administration went to the city council and says, I can't believe they're raising the price on us and kind of threw them under the bus. And I just don't, I didn't think that was the right thing to do. Um, we got to make this work. And, and as I've been knocking on these hundreds of doors and as my team has been knocking on doors, I didn't realize so many people knew about Omaha Grove, but they did. And they're mad about it. Um, and I was talking people today about not, you're not picking up all my yard waste. Well, um, I'm not happy about that. And, and, and so I think you, the mayor's got to lead the way. You got to tell the public, Hey, everything you throw in that recycle bin, we, we get a penny out of, or, you know, what, whatever it is, let's, Let's get that up and let's make another million dollars for the city over the year because we get money back on that stuff. Well, so, okay, I see we are quickly approaching the end of the uh -oh. time here. So before I do on, actually... Tom, let's go on. Let's, let's go more. <laughs> well, before I do wrap things up, I, I, I like to ask in these kinds of conversations, is there something that we didn't touch upon here that you really wanted to get out and I just neglected to find the uh, the road to, uh, to, the, to that topic? Well, our... My, you know, the feedback I'm getting is that people feel like we have a lot of crime in Omaha. And I know our murder rates have kind of gone down and they went back up. Um, but the other thing is that we have to look at public safety and public safety reform. And, but, but we really have to look in, in the crime areas about what the underlying issues. And I talked about some of those like substandard housing and why kids ended up not doing well in school, things like that. And so it, it's, um, I've got a whole series of platforms like that coming out. Um, but that's something that I think citizens, voters want to talk about. Well, I'm sorry that we didn't have more time to talk about that today. But uh, for people who do want to go see all of the all of the things that you'll be saying about it or anything else about your campaign, where should they go to find more information? They should go to nearyforomaha.com or call me directly at 402-680-8900. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Tom. It was nice chatting with you. That was R.J. Neary, Omaha mayoral candidate, challenger to incumbent Gene Stothert. Remember, we have a backlog of a lot of conversations. This is part of a series of conversations that we've been doing specifically centered on Omaha's municipal elections. So if you go to your favorite podcast app, you can find conversations that include Jasmine Harris, Mark Gudgel, Cami Watkins, Naomi Hathaway, Dewan Lamont Hayes, and hopefully more to come. 
You can find those wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today so you never miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. It helps more people find the show. And follow us on social media. You can find Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're always posting the newest episodes, updates, and we'd love to hear from you. I hear from myself all the time. It's the only person I know I'm going to hear from every day, right? But I don't always hear from you. So if you like the show, let me know what you think. What's working? What's not? Who do you want to hear from? Who am I missing? I don't know everything. In fact, this whole show is kind of about how little I do know about everything. Teach me things. Give me things to talk about, to ask questions about. Find some things for me because my perspective is only going to lead to so much. So I appreciate you going on this journey of learning about our city, about our country, about our world, about everything. Riverside Chats is produced in conjunction with KIOS and Exarban Creative. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowicz. You can also become a supporter of Riverside Chats by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash riversidechats, which gets you access to our full backlog. We have our most recent 50 episodes up there for free, and then the older ones go behind the paywall. But it's a pretty easy paywall. For just $1 a month, you can get access to everything that we put out there, as well as some exclusive content that only goes up at the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash riversidechats. I'm Tom Noblock, and as always, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. I hope that you have felt that this has been useful for understanding this municipal election that we're going through, for understanding why Omaha is the way it is, and also understanding what Omaha could be in the right hands. So I hope that you will be voting. I hope that you're figuring that out as this episode airs. Uh, And I guess as always, just thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another conversation right here on Riverside Chance. Thank you.